This many years in real estate, I'm still just so shocked at this market. I'll stop and go, there is no way that house is worth that. When I'll see something new on the market, I'll go pull some comps. I'm like, oh my goodness, how did we get here? Welcome to Better Together with Costi Epifonsev, a podcast on parenting, business, and living life intentionally. We're here every week to bring you thoughtful conversation on making your own path to success, challenging the status quo, and finding all the ways we're better together. Here's your host, Costi Epifonsev. Hey, y'all, this is Costa, and today I'm here with my guest, Kathy Dunn, realtor and principal broker of Highlands Elite Real Estate. Over the past two decades, Kathy has become one of the most decorated agents in Tennessee. From her time as president of the Upper Cumberland Association of Realtors to receiving the 2021 Realtor of the Year Award from the Tennessee Women's Council of Realtors, Kathy's dedication to excellence and leadership is unmatched. Today, we're talking about when to buy, the future of our real estate market, and if the elusive housing bubble will ever burst. Kathy, tell us a bit about your background and how you started working in real estate. Well, I was born and raised in Cookville. I married my husband 33 years ago. Wow, nice. He's from Cookville. He and his family run Dunn's Car Care and Tire Center. Together, we've got two sons, Tyler and Tanner. Tyler's married to Anna, who also is a realtor with me. Okay. And Tyler and Anna own Soulcraft Coffee Mm -hmm. here in Cookville. Tanner is in Nashville now. He's an ICU nurse at Vanderbilt. And then we have a fur baby named Ollie, who's a three-year-old Shizu. Or as they say around here, a Shizu. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, how did you find your way into the profession of real estate and selling homes? So, after we were married... Tim and I had talked about different things, and, and I kept telling him, I said, I really think I'd like selling real estate. I just think that I'd be a good fit because I don't know strangers. I can talk to anybody, and it's very much a relationship business. We'd already had Tyler, and then about that time, here comes Tanner, so that put it on hold. Sure. After Tanner was born a few months, and both of them had asthma, and I was not good working for anybody else because I was missing work all the time. Mm-hmm. And one day when they were both sick, my husband goes, go to Nashville, drop the kids at your parents and go sign up for real estate classes. Yeah. And the rest is history. Did you uh, just kind of feel like you were a natural in terms of showing homes, talking to people? When did it all kind of click for you that you were going to love doing this and you were actually good at it? I was a nervous wreck when I started <laughs> because I showed up, you know, my professional attire, you know, dress and everything. They go, You're going to die in this market. It was August. I had really good mentors when I got started, and Mm -hmm. that helped a lot. I was able to rely on them. They took me under their wing, showed me how to do open houses, how to connect with people. And then even our admin at our company at that time, she was very good helping me with how to speak on the phone to other agents, other clients. So I, I was just blessed to be in a good place and have really good training. So, I mean, you've been in leadership positions for some time now. You've been a chamber ambassador, you've been a county commissioner, and a Rotarian. So how has community involvement shaped you as a real estate agent, but more importantly, as a businesswoman overall? I think everybody, if you're in business, you need to get involved in our community. It's the only way to stay in touch and really know what's going on. I love everything that I learned through my chamber experiences, the luncheons, the people you meet, county commission. That has been an amazing experience and all that you learn there about what's going on in our community and and how our community works. I did Leadership Putnam a few years ago, and that was amazing. And I thought I knew a lot about Cookville 
go through Leadership Putnam, I feel like I'm able to keep a pulse on what's going on in our community. Even locals, a lot of times, don't know things that are going on. So it's nice to be able to share that with them. And then like last week, I was showing off our community to some folks from California. Mm-hmm. And it's so amazing because just as you're driving through and you're like, oh, yeah, and such and such is coming in here and, and we're doing this and this used to be such and such. And it's just so nice to have the history yeah, and know community leaders and be able to reach out to somebody if you need help. Do you think a lot of those organizations have changed or maybe evolved since you started, like, for example, at the chamber or at the county commission? How have they changed since you originally started working with them? Well, before I started at the chamber, I I feel like we kind of went through a dry spell and then we attracted really good talent like with George Halford. Yeah. And he just put a really good team together. They brought in industry and new retailers and they work hand in hand with the city and the county which was amazing to have all of those pieces fit together for the betterment of our community. Now, Amy New has picked that up and she's carrying it on. And I'm just excited about where we're going from here. Yeah, I agree. There's a lot of very positive things are happening right now. So transitioning back to real estate, I hear this from people a lot. What is the greatest challenge that's facing prospective buyers today? And in your opinion, has the industry changed since you started? The greatest challenge is for buyers right now, especially first-time buyers. Mm-hmm. They're effectively just getting priced out of the market. People think it's just Nashville. It's not. Even though my son, he got approved for a pretty generous loan and can't find anything. Really? And then and it's the same thing here. You know, you got folks that have grown up here and there's no such thing as a starter home anymore. Yeah. Starter homes have long-term pricing. Buyers are really getting beat up in this market. It's hard. I feel sorry for them. But supply and demand, you know what that does? It causes prices to rise. Yeah. What does long-term pricing mean? Well, right now, you're lucky if you can find a home for $300,000. You know, that just five years ago was a move-up home for most folks. Right. So essentially, before, like for example, we bought our first house in Nashville, which was in one of those like cookie-cutter starter neighborhoods. And I think it was like 186. You know, this is 2010. We sold it a year and a half later to move to Cookville. You're saying that nowadays, if you're going to buy your first home, you better be prepared to live there for 10 years before you consider moving up to anything else. Well, not necessarily. Okay. I mean, it is charting upward so fast. I'm seeing people walk away in one year with $100,000, $200,000 equity right now. So I think if you get into the market this year, I think you're still good if you need to make that move in another year or two years. Yeah. So what happens to the people that can't get into the market? So if the median income for the United States household is 62000 and you're trying to afford a home for 300000 in your experience, what happens to a lot of those prospective buyers that just are being priced out. The analogy I heard recently was, it's like you've got a pizza with eight slices. And for each slice, you've probably got 12 people wanting a slice. So who gets the slice? That's where buyers have got to be pre-approved. They've got to be ready to go. And they've got to have thick skin and be prepared. If they're not going to listen to their realtor at first, be prepared to get (laughs) beat up a few times before they finally go, okay, let's listen to your advice. Yeah. I like that. That is a that is good advice. What do you think the Upper Cumberland is going to look like in 10 years? Wow. It's changing so rapidly now. The South Jefferson Avenue area, I think, is going to look completely different. Really? We have the property that's for sale where the stockyard was for so many years. Now the property behind it will be for sale. The county garage and bus services are going to move those down on Tennessee Avenue. The hill behind there that People refer to it as the Shoney Hill property. It sold recently. 
all of that area is going to look completely different. It just depends on what retailer comes in. And then you've got the fairgrounds property. The developer working on that right now had to meet certain benchmarks, and they have, and they had to have at least a 60,000 square foot retailer, and they have. It's not been revealed who it is yet. Nice. So they have their next extension for July. So maybe July is when the announcement will happen. So what do you think it's going to take to increase the supply of affordable starter homes, in your opinion? We're going to have to be creative. You know, I get to thinking they don't have sewer systems in Fairfield Glade. Mm -hmm. However, they have these really small lots. So that's the thing. You've got to get more lots out of an acre of ground than just two. So... Whatever technology they're using, and since affordable housing is at the forefront of everybody you talk to, not just here at home, not just in Tennessee, but across the country, I would be willing to bet there's government grants out there that would help you install these. Yeah, it's going to take a little work, but we're going to have to get creative. and We're going to have to be able to yield more lots per acre or be able to expand our sewer system. And since we know that takes time, I just think we're going to have to find those creative solutions like they're using in Fairfield Glade and other communities like that where public sewer is not available, but yet they're able to increase the yield of houses. Yeah. So I was talking to someone at the chamber um, a couple months back and, and we were talking about affordable housing. And one of the things that he had mentioned that I thought was really interesting is for the companies that build a lot of the starter homes, and they typically build them in much larger markets than in Cookville. But if you want them to come to this market, if you subsidize the utilities and give them some tax breaks They'll come to Cookville or Baxter or Rickman, and they will build big 500 home communities where you you can sit one house on an eighth of an acre like they do in Nashville, right? Exactly. Yeah. And I I think in a lot of ways, once we went through that 2008 recession and kind of had the big downturn in in the housing market, I think a lot of contractors left the profession. And so from a profit standpoint, it just doesn't make sense to build 200,000 Home. I just did a report uh, the other day from 2019 to 2022. On average, our lumber prices, because we built wheelchair ramps, our lumber prices have went up 136% on average. And I was shocked. I'm not surprised. It's insane. It, you know, so you were talking about how if somebody gets into the market right now, right? And there's probably some room for them to build equity and it turn into a good investment. From the second quarter of 2020, the median household price in the U.S. was 374000 In the fourth quarter of 2021, it was 477000 which is an increase of 28%. Yes. It's insane. I mean, first off, I got to ask, do you think that it's sustainable to have that type of year-over-year growth? I do. And it's not a housing bubble. It's a housing shortage. It's supply and demand. Right. You've got millennials who have decided now, hey, I think I need to buy a house. I, I think what mom and dad said is true, that real estate's the only true hedge against inflation, right. especially right now. Yep. So you've got the millennials buying homes and you've got the influx of non-locals coming and buying homes in all communities. It's not just here. And we lost over 300 homes in a tornado just two years ago. That's a great point, actually. So for us, that's the three big factors we've got. I, you know, I never actually thought about that, but you're right. The tornado affected a massive shift in supply. Looking at the bigger picture, what kind of non-local buyers are pursuing property, both commercially and residentially? But on a more important point, 
What impact does that have on local buyers? So on the commercial side, I think it's pretty exciting what those non-local buyers are going to bring here, Mm -hmm. whether it be corporations or small business owners. And I'm just excited to see where that market's going. And it's really helped our commercial real estate sector to start growing again because it had gotten stagnant. So that's great for those commercial investors who are trying to sell property now because they're getting a good return on their investment as well. On the residential side, you've got those non-local buyers coming in. They're looking for everything from land to build to starter homes to million-dollar-plus homes. Sure. They're all over the place. So what that does is you've got a non-local buyer. If they come from one of those states where the income's much higher than it is here, they've just sold a home there. They've got a lot more equity than a buyer here does. It's a little more tough to compete with those guys. Yeah. Let's just game this scenario out, okay? So if you are a... First time home buyer, okay, you don't have a home, you have no equity. Let's say you're uh, just started your, your first job, you're building a career. How do you compete with buyers that are willing to pay $200 a foot when two years ago was $100 a foot? So, I mean, what advice do you give a lot of those people? Do you just tell them, you know, to rent and focus on building their career until they can raise their income and afford homes that most people from out of town are buying? What I prefer to tell them is let's get you pre-approved. Wherever that comes in at, let's drop 30% and that's where we look. That way it gives us a 30% margin to go above asking price, makes us a stronger buyer, and that way we can compete. I try strongly to recommend, hey, let's look below where your cap is so that you can actually become a player in this space. And so for those people that are looking to buy their first home, can they even afford to buy a home in Cookville or do they have to look outside of Putnam County? No, they can still afford to buy a home in Cookville. It just takes a little bit longer. Yeah. And uh, you got to be ready to roll when the realtor goes, hey, this just hit the market. You got to be ready to go look. So you've been a realtor for like 20 years. That means that you've sold a lot of homes and you've been a part of a lot of deals. What was it like the first time that someone actually paid you over asking for a house and then it happened again and again and again? I mean, at that point, when it becomes kind of commonplace, does it make you question everything that you learned and how you were trained? You know, this many years in real estate, I'm still just so shocked at this market. I'll stop and go, there is no way that house is worth that. When I'll see something new on the market, I'll go pull some comps. I'm like, oh my goodness, how did we get here? Right. It's crazy. Do you think that supply and demand is going to get fixed? Do you think the imbalance will? There are no indicators of it right now. Yeah. The only thing that will slow it down, inflation, Mm -hmm. 41 year high. And because that feds are raising interest rates. Things at 5% now or something. We'll probably be down 10% over last year. Mm -hmm. However, house prices will be up 5%. Wow. And why do you think people aren't building more homes in your professional opinion? Locally, builders are building as much as they can. And then it's hard to find land. And then when you find a piece of raw land, not every builder is a developer. Right. So then you got to wait for the developer that just finished completing one subdivision to catch their breath and go, okay, I'm ready to tackle this one. And then you've got to be able to get a surveyor. And those are in high demand. So if I buy a piece of property today... I'd probably be lucky to get it on the market a year from now. Yeah. Because surveyors are taking four to six months because of the shortage. There's a shortage of everything. Appraisers, surveyors, houses. Right. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. In Putnam County, right? Where do you think the next big real estate boom is going to happen? 
in terms of development on a grain scale? It's already happening. It's Baxter. Okay. That's been an untapped market for a while. Their downtown area is thriving. They're getting Portobello International there. They're bringing their North American corporate office to Baxter, a manufacturing facility to Baxter, and it's just exploding. And then the housing market's heading that way, which is fantastic because people love to live close to where they work. Since you've been in the county commission for so long and you've worked in the Chamber of Commerce for as long as you have, when did you start to see this shift where people started to say, you know what, we have to start bringing in companies. We've got to start growing this community. We have so much to offer people that we need to be intentional. Like, do you remember a conversation when that ball started rolling? Probably about 15 years ago is when we really started to pick up more industry. Our job market is so strong now. Uh, We have a great hospital here. So I think about 15 years ago, I feel like it started becoming intentional to where we had these economic developers. That was their job to recruit these companies to come here to make Cookville look good and the Upper Cumberland to be attractive. I'm going to pivot into the next question, which is exactly about the growth in the Upper Cumberland, specifically in Putnam County. Since 2010, Putnam County's population has grown by 17.28%. So that's about 12,000 people. Three questions. First, how is our community adapting to such a rapid rate of growth? What growing pains need to be addressed? And lastly, how do we grow together as a community from this point forward? So first thing, infrastructure. We're going to have to start taking a look at it. It's Friday today. Yeah. You can't zip across town, I promise. Nope. <laughs> you know, I live north of town, used to, you know, five minutes. You know, I was on the court, at the courthouse square, and now that's probably easily a 10-minute drive. If not more. If not more. Right. However many years ago, luckily our community leaders said, oh, we need to put in another connector. And they put in West Jackson Street, mm-hmm. you know, that connects from Jefferson all the way out to uh, Highway 70 West. Yeah. That was fantastic. Tennessee Avenue is great now. That's another thing that I think is taken because now you can go I-40 to get to the west end of the county and then get off on Tennessee Avenue. That's helping. But then you've got the traffic in town. I, I, I don't know how much longer we can sustain how our traffic patterns are currently. Yeah. It's tough. Kind of like that Spring Street broad street i mean this 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 downtown is it's you might as well just get out and walk you know you probably get there faster yeah but not just roads i mean what about like sewage and what about electric do we need to invest in all of those types of projects as well oh absolutely our sewers got to expand I live outside the city limits, and I was told that we might have sewer out my way in the next 20 years. And I'm like, wow, "Wow, okay, 20 years. Wow, that's a long time. Hopefully, it's not that long to get those services expanded. We do have to work on that. Yeah, That's one thing I think that's going to help the western end of the county. That's why I think a lot of the growth is going to go that way, because with all the developments coming in on Tennessee Avenue, sewer in that direction is going to be a priority. Right. So uh, we've got to work on that. The water department is working on expansion. You know, we still have people in Putnam County that don't have access to public water. Really? Yes, they're still on wells. Wow. Yeah. I guess my question is, is what is it going to take to actually get sewer ran throughout Putnam County? And I know that everybody's like, why are we talking about sewers? But the reason why we don't have affordable housing and and big communities like we were talking about the one eighth acres is because we don't have sewer. Oh, it's paramount to it because you have to have a septic field. If nobody's familiar with septic tanks and septic fields, 
They take a good portion of your property and it depends on how good your souls are as to how much land you have to have. So it makes it so difficult to develop outside the city where there is an access to sewer. Yeah. Is the county commission really, is that a, is that a point of emphasis for them? Right now, two of our biggest things, public water and broadband. Okay. We have people in Cookville and Putnam County that do not have access to broadband internet. They're still on DSL. Wow. So you were mentioning people moving and, you know, some of the things that I hear regularly are people moving from the Northeast, from California, of course, people moving from Texas, uh, the Midwest. How do you think people that are local to this community that have grown up here, how are they receiving all of these out-of-towners? And if you could give me a perspective, not just as a real estate agent, but also as a commissioner, because you can kind of see both sides of the coin, could you give us a little bit of background on that? We have a great community here. People just welcome folks with open arms. Sure. You know, as long as you don't try to disrupt things and try to change things, well, back where I come from, <laughs> it's like this, you know. We attracted you here because of what we're not like, you know, because we're not like where you came from. Correct. I think as as long as those people can moderate that down, we're going to welcome them with open arms uh, because there's a reason that they thought we were pretty and beautiful mm-hmm. and attractive. Sure. And it was for all the reasons they left their previous home. And then on the county side, I think we're doing a good job of welcoming those folks. I tell them. You have to be patient when you move here. I also tell them, I said, that horn that you're used to using on your car, you don't hear it a lot around here. Right. We don't use it. No, I'm trying to get somebody to invent a horn that when I tap it, it says, hun, could you scooch up just a little bit? <laughs> you know, I think realtors are pretty good at letting these folks, the non-locals know how we do things around here. And, you know, most of them, they're like, hey, that's what we're looking for. Nice. That's why we're here. They assimilate well. Exactly. And as far as county and city services go, you know, we're expanding as quickly as we can. You know, there's a tax base. Nobody likes for those taxes. And that's another reason why they're moving. I have to remind them if they're asking why we don't have X, like you've seen our tax base and how much we charge for property taxes and where you just came from. So if you want us to maintain that, we got to have that slow, steady growth. Like we were saying, the infrastructure is paramount to growing the right way. I mean, you know, and, and I think even building a new police headquarters was very important, you know. So, I mean, we're making good steps. In oh, the right absolutely. Direction. And our schools. Oh, our schools have got to keep up. Uh, we can't get behind in that sector because when corporations are looking to bring jobs here, they're looking at our, at our school system and what it looks like. And we've always been proud of our school system. We've got to make it a priority. Yeah. So this is something that is on everybody's mind. And we have been talking about it, I think, till we're blue in the face, especially people our age, because we experienced this in 2008 when they had the Great Recession. I know things are a lot different right now, but do you think we're in a housing bubble? I don't. I don't. It's a housing shortage. Mm-hmm. The economists that I listen to, Lawrence June being the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, I listen to him regularly and he keeps assuring us this is not a housing bubble. It is a housing shortage across the U.S. Builders can only build what they can build. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to have to wait it out. I'm just hoping that inflation and interest rates don't stagnate us too much because when the housing market stops, everything yeah, stops. Yeah, the economy stops. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If you travel to any country outside of the United States, if you go to Germany or England, 
the real estate prices are so much higher than they are here in the United States. And I believe that we were just blessed with the fact that we were building a lot of homes and we were sustaining this massive growth in population as Gen Z and even baby boomers back in the 90s were buying more and more homes. And I think we finally got to where Europe is now, which is the supply is not there. All people want homes and they're willing to pay for those homes. And I think you said it. So we're going to go back to the very beginning of the podcast when you said that these investments are going to have to be long term investments. We're not trading houses in like we did cars, right? That's right. So we're only making long term investments in real estate. And I kind of feel like that's how it should be, you know? Going forward, I think as we come out of this furious market, whenever it does make that turn, you're going to have that slow, steady growth that we used to have. I really think it's going to return to that at some point. There's even talk right now of a 40-year mortgage, which, hey, if you're going to be in it long term, why not? Yeah. I think they're financing cars for 10 years now, so why not a house at 40? I think people just can't wrap their head around the fact that that it's a long-term investment because I'm, I'm assuming like my parents, they bought a house in 98. 2003, 2008, and now most recently in 2020. So, I mean, you're talking, you know, somewhere between five and Seven 12. years is the five to seven is the national norm. Yeah. And just like with Jessica and I, we're buying a house just now and we bought our current house in 2012. Prior to that, we bought our house in 2010. Granted, that was kind of short, but I'm assuming we're going to live there for 15 or 20 years. But now that we have these, these kind of new ways of thinking about real estate, maybe we are going to live there for 40 years. And imagine the positives that will come to communities for people that will make roots in a community for 30 or 40 years. Oh, absolutely. And your communities that have the largest percentage of owner-occupied properties are the strongest communities across the U.S. because they're putting down roots because typically renters always move to the next shiny thing. Right. So we always like to end the show on a high note. Kathy, who is someone that makes you better when you're together? Hands down, my husband. I know it may sound corny. We've been together. May 1st will be 41 years since we first met. And he still makes me better and makes me smile. And then I know you said one person, but my family. I I love my little family. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Better Together with Costa Yepafonsiv. If you've enjoyed listening and you want to hear more, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave us a review or better yet, share this episode with a friend. Better Together with Costa Yepafonsiv is a Costa Yepafonsiv production. Today's episode was written and produced by Morgan Franklin. Post-production, mixing, and editing by Mike Franklin. Want to know more about Costa? Visit us at costayepafonsiv.com. We're better together.